Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the Master of Ceremonies, Matt, coming at you with Twilight Saga Part 2, New Moon. And isn't it funny? Because yes. New Moon means there's no moon. Yeah, it's true. And the well, werewolves and, uh, in this movie don't need the full moon to turn. Well, and when they released this movie in 2009, the first day it was out in theaters was a new moon. <gasps> no way. Like, they went that hard. To Th- you think they planned it? Important. <laughs> I hope they did. <laughs> I think there's a real chance they didn't, and it was just a happy coincidence, but I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, it's not like something it would be impossible to predict, uh, nor would it be something that would be too random to... Uh, to have, but anyway, yes, we're back with our part two of the Twilight Saga. We're covering New Moon today. Um, mm. <laughs> as always, Danny, you just watched this movie. What Correct. are your takeaway thoughts up top? Go. Okay, so this movie does a lot. <laughs> Period. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> but um, this movie has a lot to say about... Um, what everybody remembers twilight for which is the love triangle this is where it starts to get like really ingrained in you to like choose a side like i think this is the movie where they started like selling the t-shirts that were team edward or team jacob i do remember Um, when this movie came out it was 2009 that the uh burger king toys at the time were divided in terms of stuff that had like the cullen's coat of arms on it and stuff that had, like, the the tattoo that the wolves have. And I was like, wow, this is really serious. And I was 10 years old. And I'm like, damn, this is mm-hmm. a pretty, you know, far-reaching division now. And you're right, this is the movie that starts those lines. Because that's the point in the story where Bella does have to make a decision also. Not really that there's much of a decision to be made. She's kind of already made it. But it's more just like, here's an option that we can talk you out of. Yes. We'll get into a lot of my thoughts <laughs> on this dilemma throughout this movie because I, I can have... feel I can feel the like bereft like slug of your brow <laughs> just like over the the phone right now. I can feel it coming from you. <laughs> there, I okay. So listeners out there, I took a very different approach to this movie than I did to the last movie. I have a shitload of notes. I took notes like every minute of this goddamn movie. That's uh, very. I was invested very from alarming. the get go. <laughs> It's not alarming. Yeah, I'm glad that you're invested in this. Like we were saying before we recorded, uh, you're, you've finally been ensnared uh, by the Twilight Saga, probably earlier than you expected, uh, yeah, which I'm glad about. Yeah, this is doing here, Matt. Oh, no, I 100% knew this would happen. Um, I was <laughs> anticipating it. Because, I mean, if it happened for me, I knew it was going to happen for you. I just didn't know when. Um, mm-hmm. This is it's, an it's earlier... It's when the shoe was going to drop. Yeah, honestly, um, this is earlier than I expected. Um because after uh, the first time I watched through these movies uh, was a couple of years ago, I didn't have a whole lot of fond memories of New Moon um, because mostly I just remembered the first half. Um, but mm. then I remembered that the second half is when they introduced like everything that was awesome about the franchise to me personally. And mm. then, you know, in a roundabout sort of way, it feels like the perfect marriage between the first movie, uh, tone wise and story wise. Uh, and focus wise, I guess, and more in like the micro um, focus of its of, like of the world and stuff, and then the the last two books uh, and movies in this case being a larger 
uh, further reaching uh, thing. Like, this movie still takes time to have Bella, like, interact with her high school friends. And let me tell you, like, when I think about Twilight, I pretty much forget that they're even there past, like, the first five minutes of the first movie. So, like, okay, this is granted, a good... Bella forgets about them for most of this movie, too. Right. As she should. They kind of are boring. Um, I know she needs hey, them hey, at points. Whoa. <laughs> Listen, up. Uh, we I may clearly we're gonna have some very uh, heated discussion <laughs> about the movie, uh, the the date to the movies, um, because I feel like we are the two men in that situation for this context of where we want the story to go. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, like it, it feels like a good uh, bridge in the franchise uh, between the first movie in terms of scale, tone, um, stakes. And the rest of the franchise were like, not to say that, that there were no stakes in the first one, there clearly were, um, but it, it kind of ups them to be like, yeah, but like it could be a whole lot worse. Well, yeah, and I feel like that's another thing that this benefits in being a sequel for, is that it doesn't have to do as much of the world building as the first movie had to, which I felt like kind of slowed down the pace of at least the first half of the first Twilight movie. This one could just kind of jump right into the get-go because you know where you're at. You've met all these people before, except for the new people who are going to introduce part of the way through the movie. This one can just kind of throw you in the deep end and be like, here's where they're, here's where the characters are at, and here's where Bella's going to end up. Because lest right. we forget, Bella is at the center of this God, whole universe. I, I, I keep trying to forget it, but I <laughs> invariably we always keep coming back to that. But I, I think mm-hmm. also just because it, it, it's able to jump into that aspect of the story with, like, the vampires, with, like, the Cullen side of the story, um, obviously when, well, as we'll get to it, when that becomes um, not the focus of the story for an unbearably long amount of time, uh, we do get to have that same sort of uh, establishing the world for a completely different group of people so yes. if you're if you're someone that goes in and that's also where a lot of the more um love triangle parts of the story which if you're into that like that's where this movie has that you know this movie does not mm-hmm. completely ditch uh those aspects from the first movie while expanding on i feel like just better tone uh focuses for this it's a weird thing i guess that's like really separates these movies from the books is that because they start kind of being more adaptations as opposed to like one-to-one recreations they're Mm. able to be like okay but like the people that low-key didn't like the books can still enjoy the story that's going around all of this stuff but we can still have those elements that hooked a lot of people or that you know those people in the audience that are here specifically because of the love triangle they'll still be satisfied I do feel like this movie um, was able to adapt a little bit more of the dialogue. Still, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of like cringy dialogue in this movie. They still, yeah, there's still ways to go. That's part of the heart of these movies, I think. Though, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're Um, right. And so, like, I I appreciate it being there for what it is, but there (laughs) is less of it than there was in the first one, and I'm hoping that as the series progresses, we'll get less and less of the cringy dialogue. I don't know yet. Tune in next week and we'll find out. Danny, I hate to break it to you, but we have a whole movie of wedding stuff to go through still. So, like, oh, it will God. come back, even if we get a break. I don't remember it much in Eclipse, because Eclipse has too much badass stuff going on for mm-hmm. me to remember that. But I do know, yes, there there is a fair amount of that still in Breaking Dawn. Um, but Fantastic. I feel like, it, you know... 
we have, you know, when we started this off, I feel like you more maybe specifically were maybe more seeing that as a daunting thing. Like, like I listen, I understand, like, there is a lot of cringe. Um, but speaking as someone who had seen all of them before, I was like, no, 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 it's okay. It's not that cringe. And even when it is, there's a lot of other stuff to go off of. Uh, either way, so take and my I'm word for to it. Kind of love the cringe. <laughs> yeah, isn't it's it a little revealing? Heartwarming, <laughs> right? And you can kind of get behind a lot of the drama sometimes. Like, oh, I was having. Bro, a... <laughs> I'm all here for the drama. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, like I was having a discussion with one of my friends today uh, about where like the shit starts to hit the fan, it, like love triangle wise, like right towards the end of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, man. I can't believe that I'm actually sitting here having, like, a gossipy, petty-type talk about, like, the people that are making these decisions. Have I become what I have hated (laughs) in this? And in that sense, it's like, you can kind of see, like, well, yeah, from the outside, this seems really cringe. But, like, when you know what's going on and you know you're invested in the world and you understand these characters, sometimes Mm. their decisions do make you go, what the fuck? Why would you ever do that? Yes. Absolutely! Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> this movie is fraught. I think that's this movie's biggest appeal is there's like so much trauma in this movie. Oh my god! Like even like the so- first one had a lot of drama, but like holy shit, dog! This movie is hot. I do want to also talk about before we get too deep into the movie itself. I want to talk about like how often um, suicidal thoughts and self harm come into this movie. Because I did not expect that going into this. And I don't even know what to say about it. I just was so surprised that it was brought up so often from multiple main characters. Right. I mean, I I think this movie's big thing, as we'll get into a lot, is the question of that we broached at the end of the last episode, where it's like, now that Edward's kind of decided, like, I'm not going to turn you... There's this big white elephant in the room of Bella's going to grow older and yeah. he's going to say the same. She's going to die and then he's going to have no more purpose because if she doesn't exist or he can't have her, he doesn't see any point in living. Which, yes, is toxic, but uh, we'll get author, into that. I have, well, I have, an, I have notes on this. <laughs> they, I mean, I, I think on your point, though, like the reason that I think they can bring that sort of thing up a lot is because they also kind of set their precedence with bringing in the theme of Romeo and Juliet uh, explicitly and, like, implicitly, where, like, Romeo and Juliet, yeah, has those same exact themes. It also Mm -hmm. is seen in retrospect as, like, well, yeah, these are young, dumb, you know, like, to put it bluntly, lovers who are so short-sighted and or caught up in their own emotions that they're going to make extraordinarily rash decisions uh, mm-hmm. without thinking about the consequences. Now, we are led to believe that that both includes Edward deciding that he's going to kill himself instead of being with Bella, but and also it's supposed to insinuate that like Bella's not thinking her decision to become a vampire clearly enough, which is mm-hmm. arguable, sure. Um, but I think that because they kind of set that tone with, like, listen, dumb people do stupid things. The movie kind of takes this, like, self-aware angle of, like, yeah, you're supposed to kind of think that Bella and Edward are stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I have to admit, I took a couple notes on the fact that Romeo and Juliet is mentioned 
and like if it was an analogy for this movie and there are a couple points where i think it didn't work and then it suddenly clicked later on yeah. And I kind of love that um, Bella is our Romeo of the movie. That's true. And not our Juliet. That's very uh, true. Because Edward is our Juliet. And it's not a perfect <laughs> one-to-one analogy, but um, for lack of a better analogy, um, Jacob is Rosaline. Because it's who uh, Romeo is also interested in until somebody else comes along again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll get into that later. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely more of like a, the cursory reading of Romeo and Juliet, which is fine. Again, that's more it's more just like what it means to people if they were to see it in a movie that also kind of parallels a lot of the same features. Yes, yeah, this isn't quite a like one to one West Side Story Romeo and Juliet no adaptation. This is a very loose. It's kind of like how uh, Underworld was kind of a very, very, very loose Romeo and Juliet, and they were basically just like, we just want to have the warring factions that have star-crossed lovers in them. We don't really care about any of the other bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they saw the concept of Romeo and Juliet and said, yes, and they didn't read (laughs) any (laughs) more. So, 2009's New Moon, um, for up top, those that do not know Twilight that are following us with following along with us uh, for the first time, uh, this installment sees uh, Bella safely now entrenched with the Cullens after they saved her life uh, in the last movie from James. Uh, she now mm-hmm. finds her life upended uh, when Edward shockingly tells her that he and his family are to leave Forks and she can't come. Uh, obviously, Bella takes that very rough. Uh, she finds a lifeline amidst her spiral of depression in Jake. Uh, we met in the last movie, Jake Black, uh, her childhood friend. Um, and he brings with him a lot of pros uh, to Edward's cons. Namely, that he's not a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big it's a big pro. Let's be real here. Right. But obviously this movie is so long and so dense that that is like pretty much just like the first hour of the movie or mm-hmm. even like first like 30 minutes of the movie. There's a lot going on. Um because yeah, I feel a lot like in this movie. Maybe this is just me personally, but I feel like if any of the movies uh could have been split into two, I'd say this one had enough stuff that, like, yeah, it could work as an individual movie, but it probably could have worked as two movies as well, because there's a lot to go into. Like, even just all the yeah. stuff with Jake alone could probably warrant a movie in itself. Mm-hmm. True. It really could. Uh, but but yeah, this one came ready? out... Yeah, this one came out the year after the first one. We talked about that they came out, like, sequentially, right? Like, year after year, correct? Yeah, year after year, every single movie, back to back to back. Because it got greenlit a day after Twilight got released in theaters. Wow. Yeah, they were like, dude, it's making so much money. (laughs) And the director of the original Twilight was offered this movie and essentially said no, because they wanted more time with the script than the quick one-year turnaround would offer. And so they offered it to somebody else who had directed the Golden Compass adaptation a few years prior. I'm so glad you brought him up. I'll do it. Because his name is uh, Chris Weitz. Uh, In addition Mm. to directing the Golden Compass, he also wrote it. Uh, He's got quite an interesting uh, 
list of creds in terms of screenplay uh dating back to his very first uh credit in 1998 he wrote the screenplay for ants uh dreamworks's uh, ants classic he also <laughs> wrote the script for the nutty professor 2 um after the success of the golden or lack of success from the golden compass he also wrote the screenplay for the uh disney adaptation slash remake of cinderella that came out in 2015 and then he also wrote the screenplay for Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and Guillermo del Toro's recent Pinocchio. So, oh shit! I don't mean to roast him. I'm just saying he's got a diverse range of things that he does. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite a range. Well, I didn't realize he was the co-writer for Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't think that he wrote the whole thing on his own, but he definitely helps uh, with characters at the very least. I would say, and uh, after. It looks like after New Moon, he also directed Operation Finale, which is a weird movie that I've seen with Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley about the um, Israeli Mossad trying to capture the architect of the Holocaust after the Second World War. It's an amazing movie, and I had no idea that this guy directed it as well. Um, But I think that he deserves mega props, because, Danny, how fucking immediately better looking does this movie look? Than the first one. Oh my god. Literally, from the first frame of the movie, it doesn't have that, like, Dude, blue from, sepia tone. From the uh, title card alteration. alone. <laughs> like, bro, the, that the, title the color balance, Jesus. Rocks. Oh, it's yeah, so right? Cool. Like, I think it's they the all kind of get like that. It's the first thing you see in the movie, and it's just the moon disappearing into the title, New Moon. And I know it doesn't sound all that cool, but, like, watch the no, it is cool. <laughs> of this movie alone, and it's so cool. There is so much improvement uh, in this movie in terms of a sequel um, that I can't even... Like, if I listed it, it would just be too long. Like, the color scheme alone makes the movie, like, ten times better looking than the first one. True. Uh, The actors have such better chemistry in this movie, especially Edward and Bella, which might be because Mm -hmm. the actors were dating at this time. I didn't look into it, but I know at some point they do. Um, but I hey, whatever it works. Point, but well, and I do love that um, Robert Pattinson was very open, and he was like, "New Moon is my favorite of the books of this franchise, so naturally this was going to be my favorite one to make." <laughs> is it just like, because he was in it the least? Really interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I hope that that is part of the reason that he likes it so much, because I think that's too funny. <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> that would also line up with what we know about him talking about the first movie. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm really going to have to start looking at what the actors were, especially as this franchise went on. All of these actors were catapulted to, like, international superstardom. Super like, it, it cannot yeah. be understated. Like, when I say international, like, I mean international. Like, y- they couldn't go to an airport anywhere in the world without being mobbed with people for, like, the better yep. part of, like, a decade. Like, it was yeah. nuts for everyone. And I know that, especially for Robert Pattinson... It was so nuts that to the point that he was trying to make the switch into, like, normal switch to, like, act in other movies around this Mm -hmm. same time, and it wasn't working for him. Or he was getting, like, relegated to, like, love interest roles, which he kicks ass at, too, but he's just a great fucking actor. But it wasn't going to be until, same thing with Kristen Stewart, it wasn't really until several years after that they really got to find their niche. Uh, Mm Because, like, we talked about her in Underwater, she fucking kills it there. 
Um, Robert Pattinson obviously is killing it as the Batman right now. Yeah. I haven't seen much of Taylor Lautner since this franchise ended. I know Taylor that he's Lautner done some things. has done a few things since the franchise, but mostly I think he's gone on with other aspects of his life. Like, I know he got married not all that long ago, or at least got engaged. Because I do want to point out that I think it's a little weird that Taylor Lautner got engaged and or got married to another person named Taylor, so they are the Taylor's Lautner. The Taylor's Lautner is a really cool name, though. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, uh, I also yeah. don't want to talk out of my ass, but I would say that um, for some people, when they're associated with a f- prolific franchise like tw- like Twilight... Um, or Star Wars, there's a lot of room for resentment that can build, too. Uh, And I would say, I I can't remember correctly, but I feel like I remember in the years after Twilight, uh, because Taylor Lautner looks very good in this movie, physically, uh, and then afterwards it was, you know, he gained a lot of weight, and uh, everyone was kind of giving him a lot of shit for that, and I feel like to already kind of have, like, body dysmorphia type issues going into this franchise coming out of this franchise and then after the fact probably wasn't great for him like in terms of like wanting to be in more movies i do want to also mention that they almost recast uh jacob in this movie because they weren't sure if taylor lautner was going to be able to like have quote the right look for jacob now that he's like grown up and gotten buff and taylor lautner essentially reacted to that by gaining 25 pounds of muscle and they were like okay i guess you can stick around i mean don't but get me like, wrong he looks great but like i don't know if that's like, particularly it's, healthy it's not which is part of the reason i think it's a really important thing to mention is that while we are constantly dealing with the differing beauty standards between sorry i'm gonna go on a little I'm gonna no get on by all means i'm glad second. you're bringing this up uh, I think it's really important that everybody is aware of how it affects both men and women in Hollywood to these unrealistic beauty standards that are unattainable for 99% of people, and yet that's the only reason that some people are able to um, continue with their success. And once they're suddenly no longer useful to Hollywood in that visual aspect, they'll get tossed to the curb, and I think that's really a horrifying thing about the uh film acting industry and hopefully i think it's something we can continue to move further away from so it becomes less and less objectifying for these actors in these movies especially if heaven forbid they get super buff for one role and then they just start to look like a normal person again and they get harassed off the internet i think that's just a horrible thing to happen you're right and i think with with very small extreme exceptions of people like Christian Bale, uh, actors shouldn't need to feel pressured in any way whatsoever, especially with the prospect of losing a role, that they need to change the way that they look in such a way that can actually harm them. Uh, yes. Marvel does this a lot with their superheroes. Um, the male, the men in those roles that are only starting to talk about it now that their contracts are over are saying that they're told to put on like a lot of water weight, which, uh, you know, it, it's basically easy to mold into giant muscles. Um, yeah. but obviously there's a lot of, uh, controlled steroid use out of controlled steroid use. Um, and a lot of that is not seen 
you know, with a lot of oversight. So, and because they're men, it, sometimes it seems like, oh, well, they can't have body dysmorphia issues. I mean, the classic example is, you know, people like Brendan Fraser, uh, who yep. was, you know, he, he, I don't, I don't actually know a lot of specifically his story, but I know that he suffered with a lot of objectification when he was a young actor as well, to the point that it made yep. him not want to be an actor anymore. And well, I feel like his, that sucks. He also got, there's a whole other side to his story where he got blacklisted from Hollywood for calling out, um, sexual abuse that he experienced from producers. Yeah. Um, and he's finally getting his return to form, which I appreciate. Fuck yeah. Yeah, what a comeback. Hollywood seems to be starting to let some comebacks happen after right. they realize just how badly they've screwed over certain people. Right. And yet there are still thousands of other stories out there that will never see the light of day, which is, right. again, horrible. But not the point of the podcast today. I'm sorry. I'll get off right, my yeah. soapbox. I'm like, no, I was like, listen, if we keep going, I'm going to have to start getting on a soapbox about like how terrible Hollywood is thinking that they're so great after they start accepting these people. I'm like, it's been two people. Like, calm yeah. down with throwing yourself a parade. But you're correct. This is not the point of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, the point of this podcast right now is to talk about New Moon, which we can get into right now. Now. So, Bella has a pretty righteously uh, metaphorical dream uh, at the beginning of this movie. Um, She is concerned, obviously, with the prospect of growing older while Edward stays young, which I'm sure is on her many, many uh, long lists of reasons why she wants to become a vampire and is not going Mm -hmm. to drop it. No, she will not. That will continue to be (laughs) something that is talked about anytime she's around Edward, much to Edward's chagrin. Who I may, who I might add, uh, just at the top, um, in terms of everybody improving everything about this movie, uh, Edward's wardrobe is like fire as fuck in this movie, and I'm very jealous of it. Bro, the costumes (laughs) in this movie are good. Oh yeah, all around. Again, everything about this movie looks like a bigger budget went into it, but mm-hmm. not. But it wasn't just used for shit's sake. It was all used to make everything look better. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, um, so it's it's Bella's eighteenth birthday at school today. Um, and I do want to note that when they filmed the scene in the parking lot where she's having her eighteenth birthday and Jacob shows up. Um, she actually turned 19 the day they filmed that scene. Oh, no way. So keep in mind, Kristen Stewart is 19 filming this movie. So like, That's yeah, she's impressive. got some stiff delivery, but it's part of it's because she's young and she's still figuring everything out. And it's, st- and it also works for her character. And I'll get <laughs> yeah, off my soapbox again. I'm going to get on and off my soapbox a lot. This movie, <laughs> I apologize in advance. We, we cannot avoid, we, we kind of touched on it last time, but we definitely just can't avoid um, the fact that Bella continues to be a chronically unlikable person and somehow yes. manages to sink even lower this movie. And that's not me just blaming her depression. She there's there's depression and then there's what she does and what she yes. does is danger to the point of mortal peril in order to mm-hmm. see her boyfriend again who he has made known like listen I don't want to be with you even though he was lying like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ like he doesn't want to be with you like leave him alone uh, but before we get to that yeah you're right um, now that Bella has turned eighteen she's uh, an adult legally um she can mm-hmm. make her own decisions uh which they make note of several times um and i'm glad that it's not just used to be like look she's legal like now it doesn't matter yeah. that, you know 
that's not the point, which I'm glad about. Um, but in class, uh, obviously, they're talking to Romeo and Juliet. They're watching one of the classic which, okay. movies. Okay, hold up. Can I just mention something? I don't sure. know if I'm off my base for this. Isn't <laughs> senior year a little late to be talking about Romeo and Juliet? I feel, at least for me, I covered that like earlier in high school. I thought that was an earlier thing. To be fair, at least for my high school, um, we were going to read uh, probably Romeo and Juliet in the normal senior English classes my senior year, but we decide they decided not to do that and to have us read Macbeth instead, which fucking obviously is a huge improvement. Um, but we were all, we were doing Romeo and Juliet in uh, in theater that fall, so they felt like, well, uh. if they just watch that, they'll get it. Um, I was in that, by the way. But yeah, senior year, mm-hmm. so I was uh, I was on the cusp of 18 myself, playing uh, a young strapping Tybalt uh, of House Capulet. Uh, um, yes. So, <laughs> but like any healthy couple, uh, Edward and Bella talk about the perks of suicide. Uh, Edward mentions um, that he's thought about it in the past, um, but because vampires are by their very nature pretty in- unkillable, it's hard for them to commit suicide. So he's like, I suppose I could go ahead and provoke the Volturi. To which Matt, the first time watching this, went, provoke the who? Because that's some lore we gotta get into, but we'll save for later. My first my first note about that is, because I knew Michael Sheen is in this franchise, obviously. Yes. And I just wrote down, I was like, wait, is the Volturi where Michael Sheen is gonna show up? Yes. <laughs> and I was yes. like, yeah, it is. Uh, we will talk also, more extensively about the Volturi ahead, later. Um, I just want to mention when Alice and Jasper see Bella on her birthday, I think it's terrifying that we find out, or maybe we found out in the last movie and I just forgot that Jasper can alter people's moods with his powers. Yeah. That wasn't Um, established until now. That's terrifying. If he wasn't your friend and instead was trying to attack you, you'd be done for if he could just like like, make uh, you chill. Like, um, I know you haven't seen True Blood, but on True Blood, they take that, like, vampire hypnosis power that kind of exists loosely throughout literature, oh, and they yeah, weaponize yeah. it to, into something called a glamour. So vampires oh, can look God. you in the eye and basically be like, do this, and then you have to do it. Uh, they also can do it to make you tell them the truth. They can use that power basically to a lot of effect. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think that Jasper... You, I don't know how he uses it. Again, I haven't read the book. I don't know much about the, the length of his power, but it, yeah, it does seem creepy that he could just sit there and then you could just get more and more sad or like angry or something to the point that you like attacked another person or yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's very creepy, and the fact that he just sits there staring at you the whole time is very scary. <laughs> yeah, fucking Jasper. Uh- <laughs> um, but. I- <laughs> It's cool to note um, that the Edward kind of just name drops the Volturi very quickly. Um, we mm-hmm. get more into them in the next scene when the Cullens throw Bella a birthday party. Um, but before we get into that birthday party thing, we can talk a little bit about the loose couple sentences that Edward gives us about the Volturi uh, as he explains mm-hmm. uh, to Bella who they are through a painting on the wall that's from like the 15th century or something. Yeah, something like that. So the Volturi are these like Italian badasses, like very regal, powerful vampire clan. 
um, and they live to rule. Basically, they're they're the ones that have like more or less ultimate authority over most vampires in the world. Um, for a long while, Carlisle was with them, uh, so they know the Collins, and the Collins know them very well. Um, their problem is that they're super against anybody knowing about the existence of vampires, uh, mm-hmm. and they enforce that law very strictly. Um, to the point that vampires have kind of made it a suicide like gamble to publicly expose themselves to humans so that the Volturi mm-hmm. kill them. Yeah, uh, like an execution style. It's very yeah, because like the vampires we know, like you have to rip their limbs off and stuff. So they'll they do this cool like one of them will like hold your head and the other one will like two of them will like hold your arms and like in one swift motion they'll rip your head and arms off at the same time and it's kind of awesome yeah. it's very mortal it's, combat fatality <laughs> it very much is um and yes this is where we see um michael sheen for the first time and in yes. my notes i just wrote "Ooh, there's my former werewolf boy yes because um, lest we forget <laughs> he was in underworld as a lichen um, which I do appreciate that he shows up in this movie, where we also get the first introduction of werewolves in this universe. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's um, also cool. I remember yeah. when we covered uh, the Underworld franchise, I believe Rise of the Lycans came out the year before this. So he yeah. went right from being Lucian to now being Arrow, who's like the head of the Volturi. Well, and I kind of love that um, when he was cast in this movie, he had no idea who this character was. So he <laughs> went to talk awesome. to his he went to talk to his daughter, who was like a huge Twilight super fan, and he got all of the information about his character from his daughter. And that's I just think that's so wholesome. Ever. Could you imagine though, like you know, like so obviously Arrow seems to be like the setup big bad of this series he's the head of the volturi um and by the end of this movie it's very dubious whether the volturi are going to let the cullens off the hook for anything uh so obviously he's going to show back up so can you imagine like whatever your favorite thing was as a kid like book you know whatever and like your father comes in and he's like hey so they're gonna make this into a movie um i'm gonna be this character could you tell me about it and it's like the worst bad guy in this in whatever the thing it is and you're like oh okay that's pretty intense Mm -hmm. (laughs) like oh shit my dad's gonna be it well and i do i'm getting ahead of myself here but i kind of love like the malicious enjoyment that Michael Sheen has playing some, like, chaotically evil characters. Like, he just goes ham with it. Because he'll just commit to all of the, like, chaotic little bits he creates. Yeah. Because I really like him as an actor, period. But, like, it really gave me a lot of uh, reminiscence to when I got to see him live in Amadeus, where he Mm -hmm. plays the, like, kind of antagonist of the entire show. He has these, like, little... uh, isms that he has whenever he's playing like a villainous character and i just kind of love that they're all like kind of goofy and i feel like they're played to such an intense effect because all of the volturi have these piercingly bright red eyes Mm -hmm. and obviously they're all super pale so it's a very grave juxtaposition that now i'm thinking about like Compare how scary Arrow is in the context of Twilight to how scary somebody like Victor is in the context of Underworld. Both of them have mm. very, like, like striking, pale, scary features. Bright eyes um, can move very quickly and always know more than you do about whatever's happening. 
Mm-hmm. So they're great. They're great parallels. I think. Yeah, it's it's cool that yeah he he moved from being a werewolf general uh, to now being like Victor. <laughs> he mm-hmm. became the man. Yeah. So on the flip side, uh, after Bella finds out about the Volturi, um, again, the Cullens are throwing her birthday party, which is just as awkward as the dinner that they tried to make for her the very okay. first time that she showed up. Okay, hold on, though. <laughs> hold on. Okay, so this is this is a little preface for our, for our audience and for you, Matt. Um, I I swear I'm getting worse and worse with the names, but I have a handful that I do know, and one okay. of them is Alice. And I yes. love how excited Alice is for this fucking birthday party. <laughs> Alice is just a ray of sunshine all the time, and it's Alice great because <laughs> has become my favorite member of the Cullen family, closely Good. followed by Carlisle. But Alice is just the best. I think again that is by design that she's just the best one because you see her the most, and she's like the most outgoingly positive. Um, which yeah, is she's, very she's all good. She like n- doesn't ever try to do anything to harm anyone, which is really nice. Which we can't say for Jasper because um, getting ahead of my no, this is no. We're here. we're at Never the mind. stage right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so a it's a it's a, <laughs> a beautifully awkward birthday party that the Collins. Um, they all like Alice is like I said, super jazzed about it that she got all of the Collins to get Bella something. Um, Mm -hmm. and, like, uh, Marianne doesn't give a shit. Uh, so, the, the rest of them, though, that's just kind of like, um, god, what does Emmett say? He's like, yeah, I fixed the stereo in your truck or something. Like, he's all just Yeah, I already did it for you. Yeah, he's like, I just already did it. Um, I don't remember what she gets that she cuts herself on. She doesn't uh, find out. She doesn't open the present. She doesn't even she know. She puts herself on the wrapping paper and gets a paper cut, and Jasper goes feral. Well, right. I mean, you saw how close he was to on the edge the first time he met her. Well, and, you know, I, I wrote in my notes, and I was like, you know, it's really terrifying that a single paper cut can send your boyfriend's family into a murderous rage, especially when it starts with the mood-altering one of the family. Right, yeah. Because he's the one then, that, like, after... I mean, they're all vegetarians, so it's it's a conscious effort for a lot of them to not... To, like, resist human blood. So, like, the mm-hmm. fact that Bella's around them all the time has probably been, like, a good test of all of their resolve. Like, they just got used to the fact of having a human around that they don't kill. Um, Jasper clearly hasn't. He even says so later on. Uh, but the, the fact that... There's a difference between her smell and there actually being blood on the floor. Because as Alice is, like, trying to calm him down, she still, like, has, uh, like, a whole bit where, you know, the fact that Alice is getting in front of Jasper in the first place and is like, hey, it's okay, it's okay. Um, you know, there's still blood and it's it doesn't go well. Not one bit. So after the fact of Alice uh, saving uh, Bella from Jasper by like putting herself in front of him, you know well, the whole Cullen is... family looks like they're still probably gonna go for it. Well, yeah, because then uh, when Bella's art full arm starts to bleed, like even Alice is like, "I gotta go. I can't be here right now, or else this is gonna be a problem." Right. So Carlisle takes it upon himself to uh, stitch her up. Yeah, because luckily um, and it's Carlisle all sorts of is awkward. a physician, so he has to right. be okay with blood, or else Bella absolutely would have fucking died that night. No, she would have been torn apart by all of them, yeah. uh, like, without question. And 
I think here's a good time to note, like, how crazy high is Carlisle's willpower? Like, that's got to be his ability. It's insane. That he can just resist. It's nuts that he can do. Like, he's sitting there stitching her up. And, you know, he's able to have like maintain a full conversation on her. There's no hunger in his eyes whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's just so commendable. But uh, we also get to learn uh, from Carlisle that uh, some vampires, including Edward, uh, believe that to kill or to turn somebody as a vampire is to be damned. So, like, you know, they're, they're not going to heaven after the fact. So mm-hmm. it sounds to me now like we're learning that Edward won't turn Bella, not because, you know, she, he's like, oh, well, you'll, you'll miss out on, like, having all, blah, 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 like, all this shit. It's more so that he's afraid for himself. Yeah, uh, you know he doesn't want to lose his his soul or what's well, left of it because he's also you know. worried about like ruining her soul as well. Um, That's true, and like this this is where it kind of started to remind me of like so in Buffy again my go to vampire lore. No, there's um, a lot of parallels. You don't have to feel bad about it. <laughs> um, like there's whole seasons and like times when angel who's a vampire has a soul at a time and like that's what makes him like a better um person to be around because like he's not actively trying to murder everybody all the time because he's no longer like a bad spirit and so like this is when it really started to like intrinsically get into my head like oh so there is still this like difference between uh, a vampire attempting to have a soul versus one that just doesn't really care about the afterlife at all because they're immortal so they don't really think about it I thought that was a really interesting parallel to get to kind of show up, especially since they were talking about souls specifically and, like, what happens with them. Yeah, especially since not... uh, the Veltori later on mention and call themselves uh, soulless monsters. Yeah. I they, well, the Volturi, really interesting. the Volturi embraced the meme a lot. Uh, True. Sometimes a little too much. I feel like... Maybe it just strokes their ego a bit to to be that type of soulless monster, um, be, because we know Edward is uh, a little Prince Zuko, uh, bad uh, self image, uh, feels like his existence itself is evil. So mm-hmm. talk like that that gets espoused from the top down obviously is going to fill him with a lot of doubt and further insecurity, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like feeds especially into his toxic nature. Of trying to get Bella to want to separate from him, mm-hmm. uh, because that's where this then goes. So after this incident, uh, a couple days pass. The Cullens aren't at school. Bella is kind of left like, uh, "What's about to happen?" And then Edward's like, "Hey, we gotta go take a walk." And I'm like, "Oh no, that's, he's taking that's her on a breakup walk." Oh, it's a breakup. It's that's, about to go. It's down. the breakup walk. Yeah. <laughs> So the Cullens have to leave Forks. Uh, from what Be- from what Edward says is because people are noticing that uh, they're, they're younger older. than they should be, um, which sounds like a reasonable thing. Because um, Bella's just like, okay, well, I'll come with you, mm-hmm. and he's like, you can't come. I mean, he doesn't say it, but he like implies it, and um, Bella just she can't handle it she starts bargaining mm-hmm. uh which is such just it's just so sad and it's such a red flag uh if there's a incessant bargaining like this it's just bad it's mm-hmm. bad news bears well and i, um, really, I have to give major <laughs> props to robert pattinson in this scene 
because granted this is where some cringy dialogue happens but like the whole time he's like giving this like essentially breakup speech you can like see the pain in his eyes that he doesn't actually want to have to do this breakup and it's really well acted from both sides and i really appreciate that yeah, I, I think the fact that they have such better chemistry in this movie made that scene a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, like there's cle- like he clearly loves her. He's gone on record several times to say that like he doesn't know what he would do without her. He feels very protective over her. All that shit, um, toxic and not toxic. He's lo- he clearly loves her, so that is not up for debate. But the fact of the matter is that he's like something is making it so that I cannot take you with me. And part of that for him is like, listen, I mean, I think about what happened like with Jasper. It's like I thought about that from like the first day I met you. He's like, it's only a matter of time until something happens. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you die. And then Bella's like, so what? So just turn me. So she, she, she defaults to that. But now she knows that she can't even make that argument for him because he just he's not going to change the way he believes. He's the way he sees yeah. himself. So he kind of ends it with, uh, you just don't belong in my world, Bella. And I'm like, I mean, there's really no better answer than that, that he's trying to be straight up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I high-key hate when, uh, you know, especially movies or TV shows will pull the, like, I have to tell you I don't want you anymore in such a way that it, like, really hurts you. So that you feel like you don't want to be near me. It seems really sucky in general, but we know that, like, Bella's not going to budge because she's mm-hmm. way too stubborn. So he, like, knows that he has to hurt her. So, like, part of that regret that he's feeling is, like, I don't want to have to leave her. And it it's like the twist of the knife that he also has to hurt her to make her get away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and then she just, like, kind of breaks down in the woods. Because, again, they had this breakup conversation in the middle of the woods, and then he just kind of runs off and leaves her. Yeah, he just leaves, which was not cool. (laughs) No, not okay. Um, And so she's breaking down in the woods, and it becomes night. She just, like, decides she's going to sleep there. And who else is going to come in clutch but Papa Swan? Papa Charlie Swan making a rescue team as soon as his daughter is missing for like an hour and he makes sure that she is found. Um, Listen, this is the second time that she's just up and left Charlie with no real explanation. And mm -hmm. I feel like, again, we need to reaffirm our stance that Charlie Swan needs to be protected at all costs and is a great man. He is, he is the best in this franchise. He is the best. He's so good. Um, uh, also, but once I'm just gonna Bella say this gets before yeah? before it doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> Jacob's long hair wig in this movie doesn't work for me. I don't know why. Because in the last movie, the few times you saw him, I didn't have an issue with it. But in this movie, it just felt like it looked far enough off that it didn't work with the rest of him. You're right. He was just too huge to make it seem real. <laughs> and like later on, he gets a haircut, so like it. it right. Yeah. It'll. It won't matter for, in the long run. But at the beginning, I was just like, "Oh, Jacob, please cut your hair, please." <laughs> <laughs> well, Jacob is there when Bell is found um, by a suspiciously shirtless man in jorts. 
which will become a running theme of the werewolves in this movie. <laughs> it sure will. Um, but Sam, as we'll come to know him, finds her in the woods. Uh, he brings her back, and uh, I-, I do kind of like that at the end of the end of that scene when Jake's you know there trying to make sure she's okay. That Sam kind of gives him like a weird like knowing look and jake's like i don't want to deal with this and i'm like damn they really did a lot of nuance with what's going on with jake like they gave him just as much attention and respect right and i'm really glad that they they didn't shy away from that because it is very interesting uh even though some of it is like huh this seems very similar to the way that edward's gonna be toxic to you yeah uh but the the way that she's uh, coping with the breakup is uh, hilariously awful. Uh, we get the very famous uh, Depression 361 take uh, <laughs> of Bella sitting in her bedroom. Oh, if you don't know, this scene is like a huge meme. Because uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just a good 10 minutes or so of you know us being shown how terrible Bella is taking the breakup. Mm-hmm. And it's like... She's not leaving her room for days. Um, she writes Alice an email like every single day as like and journal none of them therapeutic. Send. None of them, them send because sending. she's disconnected her email address, I would think. Also, um, this is where I want to point out that um, all of the music in this movie is original to this movie. And I think uh-huh. that's really impressive. And I have to commend everyone who worked on both the score and soundtrack because all of it fits so well and they had to create it within that year in between twilight that's and New nuts Moon. and the fact that well, and everything is original is just something that i feel like isn't done like very it's very rarely done if ever and i think the fact that that was something they went so hard on detailing for this movie shows that they're starting yeah. to really pay attention to that kind of stuff I think that they keep doing that too, don't they? I think the rest of the franchise... I mean, I know for a fact the rest of the franchise have, uh, like, the original soundtracks. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I think that they were also uh, all original songs for it. Because I know I, that the... I know for the first one it had some music that was already created. But I think from this movie onward is... Yeah, I think this one original. on... I know definitely the Breaking Dawn soundtrack, the first one, uh, was... It had, like, a bunch of huge hits on it that I was like, no way these were all now with this context being, like, they were written in a year for this movie. That's nuts. And yeah. speaks to how big these movies were getting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, these movies are huge. Oh, yeah. Especially they got in that huge, huge um, Exactly. Well, and now that Bella is so, like, evidently depressed, Charlie Swan is so worried about her that he's like, you need to leave town. You need to go back and live with your mom. I know that yeah. I don't want you to leave, but this is the hard part of parenting where I have to look out for your mental health more than mine and make sure that you are okay. Cause you obviously, Charlie Swan right is a God tier father. He is a good dad. Damn it. He's great. Uh, and I mean, obviously she's like, no, I'm going to stay here. Cause what if he comes back all this stuff? Um, and I think that it's kind of cool to note for those of you uh, rolling your eyes about how terrible she's taking this breakup and how very typical teenager it is to act in these ways. It is inter- it, it should be noted 
Edward himself talks about in the first movie that vampires have a very extraordinarily addictive, like nicotine-like quality that they naturally exude that makes humans, especially like Bella, feel like they're in withdrawal when they're not around them. Mm-hmm. So Bella's seemingly like cringy desire to always want to be near Edward is less cringy when you look at it with the context of any person would be this like intensely driven to want to be around this person this vampire uh this bella is just a 17 slash 18 year old girl so obviously it's going to seem a lot more like oh god but like we know we know from a very uh callously like kind of dropped like one line towards the end of the movie that the volturi use female servants to do their bidding under the auspice that they will then eventually turn them. So it's not like it's, this is a unique thing to Bella or that Bella, I mean, Bella does have her own issues, but like, this is not a very specifically like Bella gets this attached so quickly sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Like this is a human being and vampire thing that happens. Yeah. Um, well, and how she gets Charlie off her back is that she's like, Oh, I'm just going to go have, uh, I'm going on a shopping spree with, I don't remember the actual character's name. She's going with Anna Kendrick. Um, yeah, yeah. Whatever her character's... Her, she will be called Anna Kendrick anytime I talk about her character. The few times that I'm sure she will continue to show up. Um, and so instead, they go to a vampire movie. Because um, that's what Bella's really into. <laughs> and Anna Kendrick is like, why did we do this when we could have gone to see any other movie? <laughs> Yeah, like, as lame as her friends are, they do, like, astonishingly accept Bella and, like, look out for her, even though they're all, like, pretty shallow and one-dimensional. Like, they still show up for her, like, a lot, uh, which is kind of cool of them, Um, and and just another shitty thing of Bella's that she's just, like, kind of on-off, like, stringing these people (laughs) along. Well, and it kind of felt like this is where the movie decided to really go it lean into like the whole bella isn't like other girls because anna kendrick is kind of she likes danger (laughs) yeah anna kendrick is kind of being like the stereotypical teenage girl in this movie where she's like well we could have just gone to see like a rom-com or something meanwhile bella's like staring down a motorcycle gang is like hmm maybe and anna kendrick is like no why are you no let's go home and then Anna, well, but we and, but Bella's not like other girls because now she's seeing Edward. Now, like any time that there's a remote possibility of danger, maybe not a remote possibility, but like an ex- intermediate possibility of danger, like true danger, uh, Edward will show up as like a force ghost <laughs> that only she yeah, can as a see. full astral projection and just be like, "Don't do yeah, it, don't and do it, Bella." Disappear. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then leave. So obviously, in Bella's like wires cross brain she's like well if i'm in danger i can see edward and that way i'll know that he existed or something Mm -hmm. uh but it does give her this very like psychotic death wish that flavors a lot of her behaviors yeah which the positive side of that death wish is that it gets her to start hanging out with jacob because she's like well i like motorcycles but i don't want to have like a weird creep who keeps talking to me while i'm trying to look at my boyfriend's psychic image she gets dirt bikes and is like, who do I know that can repair dirt bikes? Mm-hmm. Jacob Black. So okay. if you're keeping up with the lug triangle plot, this is about where guy number two shows up. 
And okay. luckily for him, or Bella, Jacob is huge now. So it makes him a very, uh, at least for the movie's logic, a much more viable uh, romantic partner. All right, here's my first note about Jacob at this point. And I'm going to read this verbatim because I think oh, okay. it very much sets the tone for where Jacob starts this movie. And then we will see where he progresses to. Uh, yeah. I feel kind of bad for Jacob. He even just wants to hang out with Bella and be friends, even though he's definitely into her. Well, and he's just worried about being used by her, but he's willing to do it anyway because he just wants to spend time with her. Because like, he cares about he her. Out. He cares so much. And, like, he's... Even at the beginning of the movie, he's like, hey, it's been too long. We should hang out more. Right. Because, like, he cares about her. Damn it. I don't remember the con- the, the exact wording, but... Later on, when they're driving around, uh, one of them's like, honestly, like, if it had just been like, like it, I think Bella's like, you know, did I need to get these dirt bikes as like an excuse to hang out with you? And it was like, he's like, dude, I just am jazzed that we're spending time together. Like, I don't care what we were doing. It was just mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, well, or maybe yeah. it's the other way around. But yeah, I, it's yeah, like, I like at the end <laughs> or later on, she's like, even if you couldn't have built the dirt bikes, I still would have wanted yeah, that's to it. hang out with you. And yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. She does care. Scarecrow yeah, got like, a heart. <laughs> like, it's, it starts out with, like, Jacob is like, sure, I'll help you build these dirt bikes, weird white girl. Um, and he's, like, feeding her adrenaline addiction. And he notices that. He's like, hey, um, is everything, like, going okay? Like, I'm not going to pry, but, like, are you doing okay? Cause, mm-hmm. But, again, he's just jazzed to hang out with her. And b- because he just exudes such positive vibes uh to bring it back to mortal Kombat in a lot of ways a lot like night wolf uh he oh, just kind yes. of is a naturally healing presence to mm-hmm. her uh and it, it kind of br- it doesn't completely heal it obviously um but he establishes himself as a positive relationship not a romantic one first but a positive yeah. relationship that she can rely upon. Like, that's really what she needs is someone that gets it, or yes. at the very least will just, like, you know, maybe not remind her so much of Edward, mm-hmm. um, because Jake was largely absent for the whole entire first movie. <laughs> also, I love that the first time that Jacob's friends see that they're hanging out, like, he, they immediately start roasting the shit out of him, just like any 16-year-old boy would make fun of someone else for hanging out with their crush. Like, yeah. it is immediate and uh, brutal. And he's just like, no, Jacob's having to, like, stumble over his words being like, no, 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 she's she's a friend who's a No, nah, but he's cool. <laughs> he plays it off pretty cool. Jake is, like, cool in this. Like, he's a fucking G. Especially well, for being, like, like, younger than them. <laughs> well, yeah, and, like, they have the bike-building montage, which immediately shows that he's way better for Bella than Edward has ever been in the series. Strong um, claims. <laughs> Oh yeah, the 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 claims will get weaker as the movie goes on because the movie yeah. <laughs> decides to fight back. <laughs> no, there's literally a point about halfway through where I'm like, dude, I don't think that Jake's toxic at all. And then literally a like a second later, in he all caps, toxic. it's like, wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned when his bros come in. Uh, it's also in this like weird scene where. Um, they talk about the fact that like Bella's older than Jacob, but mm-hmm. like he doesn't give a shit. 
Um, and I'm like, girl, you're not about to convince me that you're older and more superior than him. He's a jacked, budding werewolf who is nothing but positive vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, Jake still has to get Bella to buy his ticket when they all go to the movies. Which yes. also, by the way, how fucking hilarious is that entire exchange? <laughs> oh my god. That whole scene is something else. Walk, walk us through the vibes of that. We're just okay. like, what, who, what's the whole deal there? So that's right on. around the time cover, the vibe shifts. I want to cover one thing before the vibe shifts. Um, and it's yeah. when they're like finishing up with the bikes and they're just driving out to somewhere to like try them out. And they see yeah. somebody, they see a group of people who are cliff diving. And Jacob is like, yeah, they do it for the rush. And I'm like, Jacob, don't tell her to do that for the rush because now <laughs> she's going to want to try to do that. Damn. Yeah, I was like, of course Bella wants to try jumping off of a cliff. It sounds like the perfect thing to see Edward. Uh, well, and when they try out the motorcycles, like, she goes for the danger, and she ends up getting hurt. And, like, she apologizes for bleeding, and he's like, you don't need to apologize, it happens. And I'm just like, this, this is why it's safer to date a human rather than a How- vampire who may try to eat you. However, his very first red flag, that's an unintentional red flag, uh, he takes off his whole ass shirt to put pressure on her head wound, and then plays it off like it's normal, which is weird considering that Bella then hits him with some you're so beautiful bullshit, and Jake responds like a normal person this time, Yeah, and I'm like... Jake, you're an enigma, dog, but it almost makes you taking your whole ass shirt off to put pressure onto a tiny head cut, like, justifiable. Because clearly you're, like, the better person. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, like, I then uh, noted, I was like, Jacob is making her move on from Edward. Man, these later movies are going to have to work real hard to make me root for Edward again. Little again, did I know, and later in the this movie, movie would change us. things. <laughs> the, so, a brief note on... Uh, that little cliff jumping exchange, it's when uh, we're officially introduced to Sam. Uh, Sam is an older boy in the tribe, on the tribal lands. Mm-hmm. Um, and from how the way Jake tells it, he seems to be attracting a bunch of Jake's younger friends uh, towards him. And it gives Jake vibes like, you know, like every time Sam looks at Jake, he's like, you know, when are you going to come hang out with me, dog? And it's mm-hmm. kind of left unsaid what the deal is we know what it is because we're you know paying attention to the movie bella is very out of touch so she doesn't see that sam and the boys are obviously werewolves and they're trying to get jake to come in but it's not like werewolves in the sense like lichens even like we talked about with underworld where it's a thing that you get bitten and then you become one Mm -hmm. so it's not like sam's recruiting like a pack of his own Werewolf, if I might borrow from Game of Thrones again, just purely for the analogy, mm-hmm. uh, werewolves in this are a lot like magic in Game of Thrones. Uh, so in those books and in the show, they talk about how like magic and stuff in the fantasy world is kind of gone from the world after the last dragons died. Uh, and now the, there's dragons in the books again, more magic shit starts popping off. And in this context, the werewolves are like that with the vampires. So... Whenever there is a vampire in or around Quiet Land, uh, people in the tribe that have this specific gene or something turn into werewolves, mm-hmm. like as a natural defense. And uh, so these kids that start kind of like feel, like, I guess, coming of age, uh, like puberty sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, when they come of age and they turn into werewolves. So Sam's like, "All right, kids, like come with me. I'll show you what's what." And he's looking at Jake like, "When are you gonna turn?" 
And it seems like Jake wants no part of that at all. That's mm-hmm. very interesting to note, at least for now. Positive Jake wants nothing to do with Sam Correct. or hanging out without his shirt on or jorts or short hair. He's cool. He's a very cool guy. And so uh, after that whole exchange, uh, Bella goes to school again and starts hanging out with her friends and immediately is asked out by one of her guy friends. And she's like, she tries to play it off and is like, yeah, anything but a romantic comedy. How about this action movie? Hey, do you guys also want to come with us? Like, we can all Bro, make this he, a group thing. <laughs> she destroys his confidence with a single, are oh, you guys want to go too? <laughs> yep. Well, and the others end up giving excuses for the night of the movie, and they don't know that Bella has also invited Jacob. So now it's, a, yeah. th- it's a thruple. Um, and oh my god, the fake movie dialogue Dude, is it's so, so funny. funny. <laughs> It feels like it might as well be a scary movie scene, like, from Scary Movie. (laughs) Which is also funny because both the guys do that stupid, like, bro thing where they'll just kind of, like, leave their arm open on the Waiting to hold a hand. Yeah, dude, I noticed that. Come on. No, they, it was very obvious. Uh, And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, even from Jake, I was like, for shame, my dog. He's trying to um, leave hilarious. it in her hands. He's not he trying is. to make any move right. she's uncomfortable with. You are at this correct. point, Jacob uh, yes. is still a good dude. For literally about five more minutes. Uh, because um, th- I can't remember the other guy's name. He's just so like I don't know. I don't care. But yeah, the other guy, he the guy that asked Bella out. <laughs> because of the action movie. And Jacob's like, I, I'm able to laugh at the gore that make other men sick. And I'm like, oh. Jacob would have really liked Terrifier too. He really yeah. would have laughed. Jake, at that movie. <laughs> it's funny. To, it's funny when you're watching a movie and like you see yourself uh, in those characters, <laughs> and it's just like, wow, that's us, and yep. there goes our audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is why we're covering this. Um, so no disrespect at all. Yeah. We love you and appreciate you. Um, but during that period of time where what's his putz is puking his guts out like a bitch, uh, Jake is, he, he opens up and he's even obvious about the fact that he's pretty chill with the fact that he's into her. He doesn't try to hide it. Uh, he doesn't hide that he's into her. Uh, and he knows that she's kind of feeling something for him, which is why he brings it up at all. Um, mm-hmm. he recognizes that she's not in the right spot. Well, yeah. Uh, she, you know, <laughs> in my notes, it. I put, in my notes, I put, she's damaged, Jacob. Give her time. Wait, he's a good guy who will give her time to process things. Unlike a certain glowy boy. Hey, listen. Okay. Listen, that's, you're correct. And I am with you, <laughs> but like, <laughs> he even I'm tells her, you, like, I went so ham for Jacob and it's about to turn oh, so man. badly. <laughs> That's so funny, because, like, yeah, well, at the end of last episode, you were like, I mean, I guess I have to be Team Edward, and I'm like, I want you to switch, and then switch hard back for Eclipse, because <laughs> that's what I did. And I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> even though, like, the first time I watched it, I was like, I think it'd be cool if I root for Jacob the whole time. I was like, no, you, no, I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, but up until that point, uh, Jake is even honest with the fact that, you know, Bella tells him, like, I just need a stable friend. He's like, no, that's cool. I'll wait, see if something happens. Um, but then she goes ahead and pulls in Edward and is like, I'm too fucked up. You should stay away from me. And Jake doesn't buy that for a second, because, again, he's uh, positive. 
and he's honest that he's like, I won't be toxic. Like, listen, I'm just, I'm not going to play like that. And I, the very next second I was like, oh, maybe he won't. And then immediately after that, what's his putts comes out of the bathroom and, and Jacob goes ruins the, the moment. Well, he ruins the moment. All right. So Jake didn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, and yeah, Jake just gets real heated. He escalates it and does like a whole 180 on everything that he just said, mm-hmm. uh, which can't be reassuring for Bella that she can trust anybody. Yep. Um, well, yeah, I just wrote in my notes. I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Now the one chance she had at a normal guy is gone and it's a bit harder to root for Jacob now, but it's still better than Edward. He also then over the next couple of weeks goes her, gets toxic really quickly, gets a haircut, a tattoo, joins a cult, uh, and uh, basically tells her the exact same thing that Edward did, where he's like, "I can't be with you. We I can't, can't even be, be friends. We can't be friends. I'm too. It's it's too dangerous for you. I'm I gotta like, no, run with the boys. Damn it, Jacob! <laughs> stop losing all of the points you already had. Damn it. He. Again, I have to be the one, unfortunately, to defend toxic masculinity. I don't mean to, but I'm, ju- I'm, I'm like orientation obligated to do so. When he says it's not you, it's me, uh, he really does mean it because he's a werewolf now, and he can't tell her that. So just like with Edward, they are bringing a lot of legitimate um, shit to the table. Um, they just, because of their own shit, have a weird way of handling it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob isn't like all of this is toxic. Yes, I agree with you. Toxic Jake has entered the chat, but he doesn't get like actually toxic until Edward comes back. Like that's his big thing. True. Where I feel like Jake's insecurities lie more in like he yeah he feels that he's insecure, but he takes that on other people that he sees as maybe his betters or as like the object of something that stands in his way. It's very like wolf pack mentality sort of shit. Whereas Edward is a lot more introspective with his insecurities and blames himself and thus drives everybody away in a very classically gothy ugh kind of way. Yeah. So they are both toxic, yes. But their natures make up like 70% of their toxicity. I think that should be noted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then Bella runs off to the woods again. And then um, fucking Lorenz she... shows up! <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, oh, so it's just you? Okay, I'm gonna murder you now. And then werewolves show up and are like, no. And so this is when we realize that Bella has the rare protection of both vampires and werewolves to save her ass. And in this case, it's not necessarily that she's protected inherently from the vampires. It's just that she, after the werewolves save her, uh, she brings up the fact that um, the Cullens kind of just like left her there after she, you know, Victoria obviously associates Bella with the death of James Morrison than the Cullens, mm-hmm. and she puts up a lot less of a fight than seven vampires would. One human is fucking nothing. Yeah. So. Now that Victoria is hellbent on killing Bella, uh, she sent Laurent kind of as like an envoy to be like, go see if the Cullens are still there and then tell me so I can go kill her. But Laurent's going to do her this solid and be like, listen, she's going to like just make you wish you were dead for like a long time before. So like, I'll kill you as like a solid um, but then, yeah, the wolves show up, but it's not about Bella. It's more about the fact that like a, a vampire is on their land. 
But it just so happens that the vampires that are on their land are hunting Bella. So yeah, she gets the whole wolf pack to stake her house out, which kind of is awesome. Well, yeah, and then Jacob does some like smooth parkour to get up into her room. It is not smooth. And it is so clearly another person and not Taylor Lautner. No, no, no. I mean it's smooth in that it's just so ridiculous that it just takes like 12 steps to when he could have just like climbed a tree. I think it's just kind of right. funny. Or like use the stairs or whatever. But yeah, it is cool. It does show off his new skills, uh, showcases his physique, um, <laughs> all yeah, of that stuff. And then good he's stuff. just like, I can't tell you what's going on. And I'm just like, how... How does she not know what's going on at this point? Like Bella, you he even tells her werewolves, like, and now he even told her like the whole time that she was with the Cullens. Like she learned that they were vampires because he told her about a legend about th- his tribe as wolves fighting off the cold ones which are vampires so she should have also made the connection of like holy shit not only are vampires real but like holy shit werewolves are real and they like live right here yeah well yeah and then she shows up and she starts to like anger some of his werewolf friends and then she sees them turn into werewolves and she's like oh so they are werewolves and then they essentially (laughs) take her away and his werewolf clan sucks at first. They're not good people. Because they're just, like, making jokes about, like, eating her. And I was like, well, damn, that's one point against Jacob and for Edward. Because at least Edward's family is, like, chill and, like, good people. Okay, unpacking all of that. Uh, first <laughs> of all, Bella's psychotic death witch um, does not limit her from literally going up to the most dangerous werewolf in the pack and slapping him. Uh, like it isn't shit and um this is when we learn not only that the guys are wolves that jacob is a wolf because he jumps in to save her but we can talk for a second about the werewolves themselves um they are large wolves they are not like werewolves in the conventional sense Mm -hmm. uh they don't really change with the phases of the moon um they, they retain whatever intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, they can they they're basically shapeshifters, but they turn into direwolves, and these are like easily six foot tall at you know, on all fours. Oh, at least. Like yeah. fifteen feet like they're huge wolves. Like they're gigantic prehistoric sized wolves. Yeah. Uh, which are pretty sweet, because at first I feel like we talked about it with the vampires being like, oh well they just sparkle. It's like, yeah, they sparkle, but that just proves that they have like no weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And in this case, like, yeah, they're just big dogs, but, like, think about how dangerous a giant wolf is. Like, yeah. you can't fight it, and they cannot run vampires. <laughs> like, they True. are not to be fucked with. Like, all of the supernatural creatures in this franchise are very dangerous, uh, and their existence as, like, living weapons is justifiable. Mm-hmm. Um but the pack that you mentioned, uh, after Jake beats the shit out of this wolf, um, he shows back up, and Bella learns that the pack is kind of, like, okay Well, yeah, then with they kind of stuff. calm down. Yeah, like, they're all very... Ch- I mean, they're all still young guys. And they are okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of young dudes, so mm-hmm. they're gonna be really pissed one second, and then, like, totally chill with that guy the next second. It's like... It just, it it fits. Um, yeah. I, I would say that, yeah, even though they, like, make jokes about eating people, uh, 
They did not kill the people that are currently uh, disappearing in and around Forks. Bella mm-hmm. thinks that they are responsible, so yeah, she can be horrified. But um, the Cullens kind of made weird jokes about blood after she made them, because they didn't want to make her uncomfortable. So, like, Bella does have, like, a darker sense of humor, because um, after she is very explicitly told by the pack, like, hey, when you meet Sam's fiance, like, don't stare... Uh, it makes her really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, Bella stares and then comments that this is the quote wolf girl. And uh, yeah, after I'm like, she's called the vamp girl. Yeah, I'm like, okay, because she's right. Uh, you are that. Um, <laughs> you are. You know, <laughs> they associate you with their mortal enemy. You should be lucky that they're this hospitable towards you. True. But um, Sam's fiance, it should be noted, has a gigantic facial scar on her face mm-hmm. uh, from a time that Sam lost his cool, according to Jake, and, uh, and turned into wolf close. and hit her. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, I mean, the the speed at which they can change does prove, like, yeah, it, it's not completely out of their own possibility that they could get so heated that they turn into a giant wolf and then kill you on accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in the in the meanwhile, um, Bella kind of goes back to normal living. Uh, the wolves are patrolling the forest daily for Victoria. Um, as long well, as they're around, she's not going to get touched. Um, she's talked to her dad, the sheriff, about the giant wolves in the forest before she knew who they were. And so, like, yeah. he's <laughs> hunting these wolves at the same time as they're trying to protect Bella. Um, and then Victoria's around. And is causing shit, like causing Harry to have a heart attack. Yeah, it's it's a really big bummer, too, because, like, for the most part, like, yeah, Bella Burstyn is like, there's giant wolves in the forest, and Charlie's like, well, goddamn. But Harry's <laughs> in the room, too, and Harry's in the tribe, uh, and most of the people that uh, Charlie knows are in the tribe. And they all know yeah. about the, wo- the wolf thing, but mm. that's another thing they try to keep on the down low. So we see, like, Harry, when they're hunting for the wolves, like, covering up evidence. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's unfortunate because Victoria, because vampires can come out during the day, she can hunt whenever she wants, and she can stalk the humans that are trying to hunt her while the wolves hunt her. Uh, it does segue into one of the coolest scenes in this movie. I really, really dig the forest chase. Um, yeah. So much of the color pops. Uh, it's such a great juxtaposition from the last movie. Um, and it's kind of fun to watch like the really slow-mo parts and then the sped-up parts of like all the running and the flipping. Like, you know, vampires and werewolves move so fast. Uh, that they really like took time to like choreograph this really cool chase scene, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and like this is the same time when Bella's just walking into the forest because she wants to have another like near death experience so she can see the astral projection of Edward. And I'm just like, what? Victoria is a genuine threat to you, and you are very easy to kill, Bella. Why are you just walking into the line of fire? But then she decides to turn and go cliff diving. Yeah. She does. She just, uh... Little does she know again, that Victoria has also just gone cliff diving. Victoria's gone cliff diving because the wolves almost ripped her apart. And yes. as graceful as she is in avoiding them, uh, there are more of them than there are of her. So she is probably like, damn, maybe I should give up this search. Like, yeah, I really want her dead, but like, man, this is a pain in the ass. Like, I didn't expect there to be wolves here. Like, you know... Mm-hmm. And then just so happens to be that uh, Bella is swimming 
right offside, or swimming, drowning is the better word, yeah. uh, right off, <laughs> right off of this cliff. And uh, I didn't actually think that she saw Victoria there. I just thought it was more of like, a, isn't it kind of interesting that Victoria just jumped off a cliff somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And Bella jumped off a cliff and is seeing her by probably remembering like, oh yeah, my actions have consequences. Yeah. Which is nice because that cliff jump, while very self-serving and stupid, did end up getting the Cullens to, you know, check up on Bella. I do want to mention, um, I saw a little tidbit about how they were going to film um, the like near-death sinking that Bella has there. Because um, initially, what they were going to do was put weights in um, Kristen Stewart's pockets and let her sink in a swimming pool. But um, she was apprehensive about that, so the director was like, okay, I'll, t- I'll show you how it's done, show you that there's nothing to be afraid of. And when he did it, he hit the bottom of the pool, panicked, and pulled the weights out of his pockets. And when he surfaced, he was like, we, we can't do that. We can't do that to her. Uh, no, 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 no. We need to change gears. So they just filmed her from the side and moved the camera to create the effect of sinking instead. Because the director freaked himself out while trying it and was like, I can't, I can't make someone else do that. I think he should be commended, though, for doing it himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so wild. He's like, I'll show you how dangerous it's not. And he, like, almost died. And he was like, it's I mean, dangerous. not really, we but, like, he's, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> but I think that that is cool to speak to that as a director, he'd be like, I would never ask my cast to do something that I would not also do. Yeah. Um, so good on him for doing that. Um, but, so, after, uh, I, I don't remember... How she gets out. Did you... Jacob I don't recall. Pulls her out. He does pull her out? Okay. Yeah, he pulls her out and gives her, like, mouth to mouth, I think. Okay. But, uh, this is also, yeah, when they're driving back and she's just like, wow, you're, like, very warm. And I'm like, man, even on, like, a, like a, like a AC level, him and Edward are, like, the opposite of each other. Yeah. Yeah, and he just goes, you know, it's a wolf thing. And I'm like, stop. Please. There is an even more cringy line, I think, in Eclipse, uh, that I just remember out of... I think it's because they used it in a Cracked video, but Mm. it's Jake looking over his shoulder shoulder and, like, taunting Edward by being like, I am hotter than you. And I'm like, go fuck. No. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally... Oh, God, it's so funny. Um, (laughs) so... Alice comes back uh, because she had a vision that Bella jumped off a cliff and died. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Alice but, immediately starts calling Bella the fuck out for these like ridiculous death witch things. This is and what while cemented that is Alice funny, is my favorite Cullen family member. <laughs> true. While that is uh, funny and correct of her to do, um, I think... I would be a little bit more upset as Bella to be like, so you saw me jump off a cliff, but not like my life falling apart for months. (laughs) Um, Also, she didn't see, right. Also, she didn't see Victoria. So that's about fucking right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, after Bella and begrudgingly Jake now fills Alice in on the fact that uh, Victoria is back. Um, we learned that uh, the werewolves and the vampires don't like each other uh, a well, lot, yeah, and, and they're going to be really petty about it. Jacob, 
And right. Like, like, whoa. She's the level-headed one. Okay, you keep saying all this, but keep in mind, she was the one that, as soon as she made sure Bella was okay after she got bit by James, went and jumped on him and ripped his head off. So, like, yeah. she is sweet and nice, she's but, like, important. she will... She's still a vampire. <laughs> she will still... She is still at her base level a vampire, which is mm-hmm. true. But, yes, yeah, so no matter how sweet she is, uh, she doesn't like the werewolves very much, and they're... They don't like her. Uh, no. Jake is... Uh, hilariously petty towards her to the point that it starts to make him actually toxic. Uh, So, you know, especially because he felt maybe that he had Bella all to himself. uh, And now that there's a a whiff that Edward is coming back or that Edward's alive at all, uh, he's kind of all sad boy about it. Well, yeah. And then we get the biggest miscommunication of the franchise Bro, so far. This is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> so Well, this so is what dumb. this is the Romeo and Juliet thing though. This is like the, yes. the series of Romeo and Juliet style bullshit twists. Um, so there's a call to the Swan House and Jacob picks it up and we don't know who's on the other line at first. But he goes, oh, he's not here right now. He's arranging a funeral. And then just hangs up the phone. And then we find out he was talking to Edward, who thinks that Bella's dead now. Uh, Because he, Alice, saw the vision of Bella jumping off a cliff and dying. Uh, She told Edward. um, And then Edward said. Um, Oh, I thought, because I I thought that was why she. Maybe, okay, maybe she just came around of her own accord then. She didn't want to freak him out, but she told someone else in the family who told Edward, and that's why he called. Oh, right. All right, all right, all right. But, okay, so in any case, you know, he is under the assumption that Bella is most likely dead, so when he hears something like that, obviously he's going to assume that she is, uh, despite the fact that um, Sheriff Swan is not at the house because he's arranging the funeral for his buddy Harry, who uh, had a heart attack when Victoria attacked them in the woods mm-hmm. and uh, died. Very, he just he had just passed away. Yeah. So, you know, Jake's probably also sore about that. Um, I didn't think about that too, but yeah, he he's like, and then Bella's like pissed at him for being like, "Why would you tell him that?" And I'm like, "Aw, now she's gonna see him as someone she can't trust, like for real, for real," and that's yeah. not good. But also, fortunately, Alice is nice enough to let Bella tag along with her as they finally go through Italia to well, save yeah, like, Edward from is, the Volturi. This is really contrived to get Bella and Edward back together at this point. But also, Jacob is absolutely in the wrong here and becoming a bad person. No, he's um, bad in, in this. <laughs> it, they're making them both bad people, so it's hard to root for either of them. And that's what's really upsetting at this point right <laughs> um, so uh here is where i feel like i should get a little bit of credit for uh the doc name of our shared uh scripts <laughs> yes. because uh i i do i put a lot of <laughs> not actually a lot of stupid work into naming the titles some sort of pun because you know us we love puns Absolutely. uh so i feel like i really knocked it out of the park uh with this i'm gonna pat myself on the back this yes uh by saying that the title for this one for us was when new moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie that's voltore because now we get to go to like (laughs) venice or something because like we go to italy now like italy is in italy (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) and like edward has gone to the voltore and is like will you kill me and they're like no and so he's like all right fine i'll do it myself 
And, and by do him, it myself, uh, <laughs> he means, a, like, expose himself. Yeah. Lucky for him, um, it's a holiday about when Italy banished vampires out, so everybody's out and about, and it's the perfect time for him to show that he's a vampire. It's uh, also really cool because whatever festival that they're doing, uh, for whatever, like, saint or something, mm-hmm. um, it's customary that... So, obviously, this is in Italy, so I don't know if they actually shot on location, uh, but did. wherever they shot looks a lot... Oh, they did? Fuck yeah. yeah. Because it like looks a, really cool. I think they had like a five day shoot in Italy to do all it's this. It's awesome. We're in the states for everything else. Because it's this like huge like city on a hill. Like it's a very old Renaissance type, like Assassin's Creed. Like think Assassin's Creed uh, yeah. too. When you think about it, like it's very much that era. Um, everyone's wearing these like red robes. It's very visually striking. It's a really cool uh, setup. Um, and then we hang out there afterwards when, you know, obviously when the Volturi show up, um, like their little manse is super cool because it's this very like ancient, uh, like Greco-Roman style, like, uh, you know, like forum area that they all hang out in that I would assume was also somewhere real in Italy. Probably. Uh, so I, I love their dedication to the the set. Um, but, uh, you're right, so now that Edward's on his way to expose himself, uh, Alice and Bella race up to make sure that he does not expose himself, uh, and get murdered. There's a lot of manufactured tension in this section, um... Like, we knew he'd be fine! (laughs) When they decided to, uh, shoot both of them in slow motion while Bella runs at Edward, and Edward slowly removes his shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we didn't need that. Like, come on, So, I think that's cool, because while that is supposed to be touted as some sort of climax of the movie, uh, we didn't know about it until about five minutes before it happened, and then five minutes later it was over. Which was fine, because now that that's out of the way, uh, everyone seems like, oh, you know, we saved Edward, Edward sees that Belle's alive, he's like, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have left you, all this bullshit. Hold on. This is where Edward gets real, real nasty for me. Because this is where oh, he okay. very um, emotionally manipulative ex. Like, he, at this point, has the vibe of, like, that a, an abusive ex who, like, threatens to kill themselves anytime the other person seems to be moving on with their lives. Because they're like, I love you, yeah. I can't imagine a world without you. And I was just like, hmm, this is... This is this is not the move. This is not it, Edward. I don't like this. Right. Well, it, and I think it also goes back to, as we'll see in a bit, um, he's still just so not willing to turn her that everything else is filtered through that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, like, think about the fact he would rather die than turn her. Like, that yeah. speaks volumes about it. Like, that in itself is such an interesting dichotomy for him and for Bella to, to be a, a privy to. Um, to the point that, just like me in this context, where I'm like, are we about to have this exact same fucking discussion, uh, fight, and break up again? We just did this sort of same thing in the first movie, like right at the end at that gazebo. But the Volturi show up and they're like, no, everything is not fine. We need to talk to you. Alice shows up and she's like, oh, we, we don't have to do that. And they're like, no, you, all of you have to come, including yeah. Bella. So the Volturi won't kill Edward uh, when he goes and asks them to execute him because Edward is an extraordinarily powerful telepath. Mm-hmm. So the Volturi's whole thing that I, and, oh, it's my favorite part of this saga. 
the Volturi have held on to their power by um, gathering people around the vampires that have these abilities to the point that um, the Volturi are kind of like the X-Men of vampires, mm-hmm. but in the sense that like all of their powers are essential to holding onto or gaining power from other people. So like Arrow, the, the Michael Sheen's character, his power is that if he touches you, he can read every single thought that you've ever had, including if you've ever thought about betraying him. So he can kind of nix rebellions before they ever come. Yeah. Uh, Jane, who's played by uh, God, Dakota I can't Fanning. remember her name. Dakota Fanning. Uh, her char- her character is if she looks at you, she can say pain, and you could suffer unimaginable torment. Mm-hmm. Uh, her brother, who we'll get into in the later movies, I think his name is some dumb. Uh, but in any case, he has like shadowmancy powers like he can like shoot out like shadows that can kill people and he can Mm. control them with his thoughts it's very awesome okay um but they would obviously want edward to help them because he can read people's minds he's really good at it Mm -hmm. uh but he doesn't want to do it so they're like oh well you know we don't want to kill you but we will well, but the Volturi are super interesting. Test, they all test their powers on Bella. To yes, they if she's immune to all of them, and she—that's the big switch. So Bella is not only immune to mind reading, but she's kind of like Twilight's version of the Haitian from Heroes, where no vampire abilities work on her. Arrow mm-hmm. can't read her mind. Jane can't torment her, and Edward can't read her thoughts. Yeah. Even though Alice can see her in visions, which is kind of like the little loop around, but that's fine. Um, but the Volturi are kind of like, listen, um, you killed a vampire for her, uh, you don't seem to be doing much of anything constructive with your time on this planet, uh, you're an open defiance of what we ask you to do, uh, and the fact that you're not gonna turn this woman who has, like, the budding ability that could, like, trump any other vampire power including the volturis and you're not going to turn her it makes her a threat so they're like either kill her or turn her and they're like okay we will just give us some time because well, yeah, alice, alice drops the bomb yeah yeah alice drops the bomb that one day bella will be a vampire um and that she will turn her if edward won't mm-hmm. um and it saves them from the Volturi killing Edward and Bella and pretty much opening rebellion from the Cullens to the Volturi. Yeah. So that's a big deal that um, the Volturi want her to become a vampire so they can use her, probably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Edward won't turn her. Bella's like, yeah, maybe if the government tells my boyfriend to, he'll turn me. And he still won't. So mm-hmm. red flag on the play there. But Alice does come in clutch and she's like, hey, I'll do it myself if possible. So Bella at least has this light at the end of the tunnel that, like, she will be a vampire. But even though Alice's visions are subject to, like, these could happen and everything is based on choice. So there is a reality where she is a vampire and she's really now going to try to hold on to that reality. Well, yeah, and, like, as they're leaving, because the Volturi let them leave... Um, a group of maybe two dozen tourists are being brought in to be eaten. Um by the Volturi, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ! Like, like yeah, they are bastards. We have our villains. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they suck. Like, it's not just that they have common cause against the Cullens, it's also that they're, like, remember, Carlisle was with the Volturi for centuries, I think. Mm-hmm. Or at least he was with them for a while. Yeah. Um, 
and he's a vegetarian now, so he probably saw quite a bit of debaucherous, horrible crimes against humans that he would rather not replicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and is so staunchly, that's probably where his willpower comes from, is he's like, I've seen what we can become. I've seen, like, you know, the, the vapid mistreatment of human life by elder vampires, and that's just not the type of man I want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and then when Bella gets back home, uh, Charlie Swan uh, has the best idea of the entire franchise so far. Um, which is, he says that Bella is grounded for the rest of her life, which honestly, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> because she left the country without telling him. Yeah. God. Like, on a whim, while he was, like, at a funeral. And again, he, she keeps doing this to him, and he's like, you know what? You're grounded, Missy. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> you can't do that shit. Um. But then when Edward is continuing to like be like, no, I'm not going to turn you, uh, Bella goes to the rest of the Collins and is like, all right, y'all, let's put this to a vote once I, and for yeah. all. And Jasper I, has I to make it's... it creepy. Yeah. Like, see? Like, he's just like, well, it'd be nice to li- be in a room with you without wanting to kill you. And I'm like, Jesus, Jasper. Now is not the time. Yeah. <laughs> so see? Like werewolves making jokes about people eating them all right jasper's over here thinking that that's fun it is funny but uh it is also very dark yeah but the fact that bella i i would say probably blindsides the rest of the family with this Mm -hmm. um is kind of an interesting position to put them in uh because they were all turned against their will none of them asked to become vampires um so i feel like you know, it's an interesting choice for them to, you know, vote on, like, who's going to... I think it was that, uh, you know, Alice was going to turn her if Edward didn't, just you know, agree to it. But mm-hmm. they still wanted to have, like, listen, if I'm going to be being made a vampire, I'm going to be joining your clan, joining your family. So, like, it's everyone's call. Um, so what do we think about uh, the Cullens voting to make Bella a vampire, but Edward being super not okay with it? Listen, I he needs to How do how do I put this in a nice way? He needs to get over Chill. Himself. He needs to yeah. figure this out and like get to it. <laughs> Cuz like obviously everyone including Bella, who I feel like is really the person who th- should be making this call, is okay with it. Like Edward, get off your high horse and get the job done, damn it. Um, and you know what? He does. Because he's like, I'll do, I, if we're going to turn you, I want to do it myself, but I have one condition. Hold on, uh, we're not there You yet. marry me, bitch! <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> Hold on, we gotta have the lover's triangle fight first. God damn it! Okay, fine, we can have this... Ugh, okay. Because All I feel like that bit really serves to tell them is that, uh... Like, kind of at, like, a very, very end part of the contract treaty that the Cullens and the Quaaludes signed... Was like, yeah, you know, if you don't bother us, we won't bother you, blah, blah, blah. Very mm-hmm. standard, uh, ag- amiable uh, agreement. But Jake makes the point of being like, oh, if they turn anybody, we'll kill all of them. Okay, but there's another point in that scene that I have to bring up because it really infuriated me. Um, and that's when Edward went up to Jacob and essentially was like, hey, um, 
thanks for keeping my girlfriend alive while I just, like, up and abandoned her and didn't know if I was ever going to come back to her. You're a real G for that one. If I were Jacob, I would have punched Edward in his goddamn face for that one. He wanted to. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it was coming from a place of, of, like, genuineness, but, like, that's not what you say. (laughs) Yeah, like, say it some other way. Be like, hey, thanks for taking care of Bella. Don't be like, hey, thanks for keeping her alive because I left. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, like, that man. was all he He's did for dick. her. <laughs> right, like, but he yeah. also didn't own up to the fact that he probably shouldn't have left at all because of mm-hmm. what it did to her. Even though, like, again, he had his reasons. Uh, but the fallout, obviously, did not warrant him killing himself. That seemed pretty stupid. Yeah. But, yeah, so then we move on, as you mentioned. Uh, he's like, hey, uh, marry me. And I'm like, that's a weird way to propose. And then the movie takes an extra second to wait and then end on her, like, having a very dramatic gasp. You say dramatic. I say, uh, whimperish. It was more of like a, <laughs> huh? like, like she was about to sneeze or something. It's, uh, it's cause dramatic that would be a pretty how it's deal. framed, but like, no, the actual is. <laughs> gasp is just like, <gasps> like, it's so subtle. Like, I just did it. You could barely hear it. Yeah. Um... I also feel like this is a step in the right direction for Edward because even though his commitment issues are dubious, mm-hmm. this would be a way of being like, okay, we all get what we want. I get to have this, you know, sort of kind of relation with you. And then I'm jumping ahead for Breaking Dawn. She's human during their wedding. It is not a thing that happens until later. So, like, that was part of... I mean, that's part of her condition and his condition, and it sets up why that book has a conflict at all, but we'll get into that much, much later. Um, But I feel like it's a step in the right direction on Edward's part because he's, he's trying to acquiesce, but he also is trying to look out for his needs for security or whatever this mm-hmm. is coming from in a way that also appeals to Bella. Obviously Bella loves him. She wants the assurance that she will, he will never abandon her again. Marriage is a good way of doing that, at least in theory for humans and being turned is an even better way of doing that for vampires. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives everybody what they want, except Jake, which yeah. it, we shouldn't feel bad about. But the problem is like, yeah, there is that like, looming thread of like well if you guys bite her we'll kill all of you <laughs> yeah but yeah and it so won't be like moon. it's personal for jake but you know yeah yeah but that's new moon that's the second it, see how much growth has happened in the twilight so saga much. in just one movie yeah and like i mean we've been like talking about it you. for almost two hours now two like, hours we're, we're this, in is a, this. this is a long movie there was a lot that needed attention and discussion for this yes absolutely I don't know if the other ones will be as long. Eclipse has fucking... Just wait. There is some cool (laughs) underworld-level shit happening in Eclipse that I can't wait to talk about. Um, We had predictions last movie. Uh, I want more predictions for you, the Twy version. What do you think is going to happen in Eclipse? So... In Eclipse, we gotta figure out what's going on with Victoria. Like, she's gotta... That whole thing's gotta come to a point. Victoria can't just be left out in the wilderness until Breaking Dawn. I refuse to believe that. Uh, There's also definitely gonna be more of a physical fight between Edward and Jacob at some point. Guarantee it. Don't know what's gonna cause it. 
probably Bella for some reason. Um, Ugh, I, come on, and, Bella. And going off of the track record, there's going to be another like fake out breakup between Edward and Bella again in the next movie in order to keep the like uh, flames uh, lit between uh, Team Edward and Team Jacob, or else it's just over with at this point. Because um, she hasn't said yes to marrying him, but she's not gonna say no. So like, yeah, like something's are you gotta <laughs> happen. Something's gotta happen. She. In there. She, like, strongly considered suicide when he just left her for a couple mm-hmm. of months. You think that she's not going to marry this guy? That's not saying that she should, yeah. uh, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I feel like at this point, for me, I'm also on the, like, uh, oh, I didn't ask you, what, what team are you? I feel like it goes without saying you're probably Edward again, oh, but God, now no. with more conviction. I'm, I'm, I'm team Jacob right now. Edward's on my show. Oh, list. really? Oh, I know fuck, Jacob okay. has done a lot of shitty things, but he has done more good things for Bella than Edward has ever done. And that's why I'm currently Team Jacob. All right, all right. I Damn. can't believe I came with such not conviction. Ex- <laughs> yeah, right? This is part of the beauty of this series, and I was really hoping that we would get to this point. Uh, we'll because, see where I'm at know, next movie, but right now, Jacob through and through. But it's, it's, you know, a, right? it's not as far as it was in the... In the middle of the movie, it was Jacob all the way, but there's a oh, lot 100%. more give and take now by the end of this movie. Okay, cool, because I feel like this will foster a bit of a healthy uh, meta debate, because at this point, I would say, uh, Edward, dog! Ah, uh, see, here's Ooh, the problem Are one. we gonna break up like middle school girls did when this happened in real life? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, because, like, this movie has the same thing that kind of happened in the last movie, where in the first movie, Jacob really wasn't in it, so of course I was going to be Team Edward. In this one, Edward isn't really in it except to be an asshole, so of course I'm Team yeah, Jacob. Right. It had to establish the, like, triangle. Now we'll see yeah, next why movie you would want to be with the, both. Where the things actually lie. Man, I yeah. am so excited to see where this develops for you because so far all of my predictions about you and this franchise have been spot on. It's so true. We will see. <laughs> Follow yes, our Instagram too. at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I, I don't think we do, we're doing advice for this, but um, yeah, uh, if you are the kind of guy that is a veritable walking green hill zone of green flags and then you 180 all of those out of nowhere i'm going to say that it doesn't matter how much good you've done a person you've done irrevocable damage to their sense of trust Mm. that's fair that's fair i'll give you any counter any counter my dog um hey uh don't pretend or try to kill yourself over a breakup don't kill yourself Uh, Uh, yeah i mean that's that's really solid That's pretty solid. (laughs) Nobody is worth killing yourself over, uh, period. I don't care who they are. It's, um, yeah, life is sacred. Anyway, on that very deep note, um... Until next time, (laughs) stay spooky out there. Team Edward!